Hey everyone, it's JD. Before we get started, thank you for listening to the Dudes and Doxology podcast. As always, this podcast is brought to you by The Refinery, which is the young adult and college ministry of Ankeny Free Church. To learn more, go to ankenyfree.church. We also love it when you leave a five-star rating and subscribe and leave a comment for us or a review. We'd love to read those and see those about how this podcast is encouraging to you, helpful, maybe even challenging to you in your faith. And so without further ado, here is the Dudes and Doxology podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode, the 10th episode, ladies and gentlemen, of the Dudes and Doxology podcast. It is great to be heard by you. I'm JD. To my right, for the first time ever, he is usually on my left, the voluptuous Kyle Rude. I'm actually not feeling voluptuous today. You got it wrong this time. You look it. And you usually get it right. To my, I'm trying to use a different adjective every time. And then to my left is Hunter Thorpe. Hunter, how are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Glad to be back with you after a, a little actually, hiatus. Yeah. You were gone and now you've reappeared suddenly. Reunion episode. Yeah. <laughs> this is our first reunion. Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, not, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but one of our faithful listeners told me the other day that we should consider doing a live recording, some live recording show of the dudes and doxology podcast. And I, that, 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 um, you know, that, that, that made me excited to, to think about the possibility of that. Our one of four followers was like, yeah, <laughs> dude, we have like at least 30, fo- 30 listeners every nice. episode. Don't we have somebody in Canada? We're international, baby. Yeah. We have Europe. Shout out to Matt wow. Davis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our international listener. We have listeners in India. That's we have wow. listeners, that one's a little weird. We have but... listeners in Australia. When I say wow. listeners, it could be just one. could be multiple. Or, no, I won't say it. I'll say it. I'll we do have Canada. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then obviously the United States. But it is great to be here with you. The 10th episode. Guys, well done. We have made it 10 episodes in. This is not just... You know, a harebrained idea that we had in one of our basements. We're sticking to it, and we're here. What did you look up with the ceiling for, Kyle? Harebrained? We actually had this idea at the refinery. We did. That's where We did have this idea at the refinery. I was trying to remember where we first talked about it. Probably the refinery. It was was the refinery. We talked about it at the refinery, and then we went out and had uh, Applebee's. Half apps. We just went and had half apps last time. I know. I missed it because I was studying. It was so great. It was so great. Half price appetizers is might be one of my five love languages. (laughs) It is so, so great. Hey, um, before we go any further, we're going to jump into this episode's devotional. Hunter, what do you got for us today? All right. Coming from Leviticus 10, starting at verse one, we have the story of Nadab and Abihu. So some background context for this. Uh, This is after the um, Israelites get out of Egypt. They are now in the desert. They are kind of figuring out what the law is. And the book of Leviticus is just more specifics of what we're given in the, the Ten Commandments. It kind of outlines the sacrificial system, everything else that we see earlier in Exodus. So starting in verse one, now a day, <laughs> Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. So this seems like a little bit of a weird place to start for a devotional, but there are a few things that we can pick up from this. And I think the most important thing that we pick up is that the Lord is holy. And when he's holy, he has certain ways that he wants us to worship him. He has certain things he's called us to do. We're not called to go beyond these certain things that he worships. And this is what was going on here is they were offering something that was not authorized in the sacrificial system. They were doing things that God had not told them to do. God had not asked. And because they were doing these strange things, God had judgment upon these people. That's not to say that, oh, you can't do contemporary. You can't do traditional. There's a certain type of worship you have. No, that's not what I'm trying to get at, which is what some people use this passage for. But what it means is that our worship should be well-regulated, and it should be well-regulated by the scriptures. We should have our worship be something 
that we are informed by what the Lord has said about himself and what should be done for himself. The other aspect of this that I want to get to is that as the Lord is holy, we are to be holy. As we come to worship him, we should be people who are working on our sanctification. We shall be we should be seeking to glorify God in our actions. And so this is what one of those passages, that's one of the things the passage is telling us to do is, is our worship something that is actually glorifying God? Or are we doing something to be foolish as we are worshiping? And I think there's a handful of ways that we can be foolish in our worship, and I'm not going to give specifics, but I think some of them are abundantly obvious. If you are during worship not paying attention, if you are making a mockery of what's going on. These are not things that God wants for us. He wants us to glorify him and to be sanctified people. I think that's absolutely right. We need to be careful about um, making sure that we're honoring God with our worship, specifically when we're talking about the Israelites. Uh, God warned them against the practices of the people around them, uh, called that abominations, whether that be something really terrible like you know child sacrifice or something you know, you know, not maybe not as bad, but still, God warned them against doing that. We don't know exactly what Nadab and Abihu did, but mm-hmm. God is serious about the worship of Himself, and we need to take that seriously. And um, you know, if we're in a spot where we can't focus into the worship service, or um, even in a part of our life where we're called to worship the Lord, we need to take a step back and do some do some reflection. And uh, do some heart a heart checkup just to see where we're at and 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 the cause for what's going on and um, uh, you know I've just, I've known people in my life that have actually um, uh, removed themselves from a worship service before because they're just like I'm just not I can't worship the Lord properly right now and I, I've actually really respected that honesty yeah. from them that that's that's great and. I think one of the other things we can see in this passage that's unrelated to just this idea of how we're worshiping is that we see this judgment upon Aaron's sons immediately afterwards. And it's it's a brutal judgment. It's God executes them with fire. But the thing that's really important is that Aaron holds his peace. And why does Aaron hold his peace? Well, I it doesn't say specifically, but my thing is I'm thinking here's a holy God and his judgments are holy and right because his judgments judgments are holy and right, we have to respect them. Even if it's not the way we would want to do things, we are not God, and that's something that we need to remember. When things play out a certain way and we don't like the way that God's doing things, we aren't the ones on the throne, and we aren't the ones who have the full perspective and full picture on those things. So we need to hold peace even when something does not go our way. We don't need to fall into blasphemy or to heresy just because we don't like certain things that God has asked of us or does. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's fantastic. Thanks, Hunter. Yep. All right. Um, we are diving into the meat of this episode. Uh, last time we talked about dating. Uh, thank you to McKenna Eller for coming on and being our in-studio guest for that episode. That was phenomenal. Uh, and this week we're we're um, in the third week of our kind of relationships series. Started with singleness. With um, week one, we had Kyle Melcher in, talked about that. Uh, week two was dating. McKenna Eller was in. Uh, this week is um, being engaged, engagement, uh, really getting close to marriage. And um, the the title we have down is questions to ask when preparing uh, for marriage. And uh, I think we'll each just take a section. But before we do that, I think it'd be fun to. You know, share a little bit of of each of our quick stories about how we got engaged. All three of us are married. Uh, we have uh, all of us have lovely wives who love the Lord. And so, um, who wants to go first? Hunter, how did you propose to Bree? Okay, so it was in 2017, uh, late July. I had planned to take her out to dinner. We went to Spaghetti Works and R.I.P. Yeah, no kidding. Still living in Omaha. <laughs> Still living in my heart. Did not know that, actually. So I had called up one of her friends who is in the mission field but was going to be back in Iowa at the time. And she came up and played a song that we both like on the guitar. Hmm. Um, where we were, where I was going to propose, I had her like go to one location. She texts me as we're in Spaghetti Works, and I like excuse myself saying I had to go to the restroom to check what the text was. It's like, hey, the place you wanted to propose – 
there's a jazz concert going on there. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. So I text her and the photographer and we move it to the sculpture garden. So we go to the sculpture garden to take a walk around. Oh, and yeah. Then Did she, she know this around. was coming? She says she did. I don't know to what extent she knew. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's one of those things. But anyways, uh, we go down there. We're kind of in the, you know, giant statue of the like three humans. that's made out of letters or whatever it is. And she's sitting there and that's when I proposed and her friend, uh, Aslan McCarthy, uh, comes up playing guitar, singing a song and, uh, photographer comes up, takes pictures, all that stuff. And then we come back to Ankeny because it's Summerfest weekend and, Mm. uh, we go watch fireworks and we get free lemonade from uh, Church of Christ stand. They do a lemonade stand every year. And we told them we got, pro- I, we just got engaged. And he's like, that's so cool. Have free lemonades. I'm like, mm. sweet. So I'm going to shout use that out next to- time. <laughs> I just got engaged. Just got engaged. <laughs> right, right. Or their youth pastor's going to be there. And he's going to be like, wait, I know you. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's cool, huh? That's a good story, Hunter. Yeah. Kyle? Well, it was December 2015, actually, Christmas Eve. When I proposed, um, Christmas Eve. Wow, yeah. that's that's gutsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Got so a present for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I did not propose during church service. Excuse me, everyone. Hold on, yeah, right. I just need to make one quick announcement, <laughs> honey. Come on up here. <laughs> red flag, red flag, red flag. <laughs> so I remember my uncle and my cousin were in town. Um, and they were visiting us for Christmas, and so we all got together and went to the Christmas Eve service, and. Now, Kennedy says that she thought something was up. I don't know what, how or why. She's or, capping, you know. As um, the students say. I pre- and by the way, I appreciate you teaching me what that meant. Yeah, yeah. That impact. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That was much appreciated. And that um, means she's lying. Thank you. <laughs> no cap. That's so no we cap. get home after church service and a family tradition with my siblings and my parents is um, we have our stockings for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, we usually open those or we used to open those up on uh, Christmas Eve and um, or no, we still did that Christmas morning, Christmas Eve. My parents gave Kennedy a stocking. Oh no. And that was probably the first hint for her that something was up. Like, wait, was it all like daughter-in-law stuff? (laughs) World's best daughter-in-law. She she didn't actually get a chance to to get anything out of it. It was just like, you know, the stocking says Kyle. There's one that says Jake. There's one that says Allie on it. Uh And then there's one that says Kennedy on it. And Uh we're like, oh, this is such a big, big honor. And while she's turned around, I reach under the couch to grab the ring really quick and because I'm going to ambush her mm-hmm. propose whatever yeah yeah but my brother and he doesn't listen to this so I can tell the story but maybe he will I don't know he should listen to when it. he gets on the couch to sit next to me he kicks the ring oh no further under the couch that's awesome so I'm reaching under the couch panicking like where, where is, is this this thing? and I finally get it out and I open it up get on my knee right before she turns around she like drops the stocking and just goes hands over her mouth yeah and i said classic pose right and i'm like kennedy oh yeah she's like yes will you marry me and guess what she says yes sure kyle yes sure kyle yes she said yes everybody (laughs) into the mic say into the mic sweetie (laughs) she said yes and now we've the crowd goes wild and now here we are here we are we were engaged for almost two years wow we'll talk about that later very long time uh, you beat me and Brie. No, sorry. We beat you just barely. No. Yes. Brie was out of the country for part of that. 18 months. Kaylee and I, uh, our dating anniversary is January 21st. And so Kaylee, she knew engagement was coming up. We had talked about it. Um, but she was expecting it to be on the 21st, uh, you know, to kind of like double up on anniversaries. So I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to trick her. I do it on the 20th of January. And... Mm. Um, it is, um, at Hawkeye park here in Ankeny. It was a blizzard. I was gonna say giant snowstorm, ginormous snowstorm. This is 2014. I have dinner with my family that night. Kaylee's at work at Kohl's and, uh, my parents knew I was about to propose later that evening after Kaylee got off work and my dad pulls me aside after, after we got done eating and he goes this, I will never forget these words. He goes, son, I'm really excited for you this evening. Just remember being engaged was virtually the same as being married in the Bible. They believed Mary. They won't believe Kaylee. (laughs) 
Hunter is looking at me with questionable <laughs> eyes. Kyle I get exactly it. what you're saying. I'm yes. just like, I can't believe your dad told you that. <laughs> I will never forget it. Never forget those words that my dad said. Words to live by. Um, and so I get these, get all this stuff. I get rose petals. I get these candles. I lay them on the sidewalk at the shelter uh, house at Hawkeye Park. And I'm like, it's blizzard. Like, I'm like, there's, but there's no turning back. We're doing this tonight. I have her friend surprise pick her up. Kaylee instantly says she knew what was happening. They're trying to like curl her hair in the car ride from Coles to the park, trying to like maybe, you know, fix her makeup or whatever. They brought a change of clothes with to um, they kind of like pull up, they shove Kaylee out, they drive away and Kaylee's just standing there and like with like, she can't see me cause it was like such a blizzard. I'm kind of hiding behind the power boxes. <laughs> And so she like kind of turns around because she sees my car. So she turns around and starts walking to my car. And I come out. I was like, Kaylee, I'm over here. And so she starts walking toward me. You know, I have all this stuff down and yada, yada, yada. And I get down, pop the question, pop the box. Um, she screams yes and then just turns around and books it to the car because it was so cold. She gets halfway there. She turns around. And she goes, wait a minute. Give me that ring. And she runs back. <laughs> I put it on her finger. Nice. I gather the stuff. We go in the car. And then we all met at Applebee's and all our friends were there. And it was a blizzard, so no one was there. We had the whole place to ourselves. And we had an engagement party. And it was actually a lot of fun. So um, Kaylee and I were engaged for about eight months. That's uh, actually just like, yeah, seven months and three weeks, actually. So, all right. Thanks for sharing that. All right. We're going to we're gonna dive in uh, real quick. Um are you guys uh, pro long engagement or short engagement, or does it matter? I think I would have done shorter if it was an option, but we just did the most. Wasn't an option, right, for you? Yeah, because I mean, so it was. Bree was in Minneapolis when she got back from her eighteen-month mission to finish up her college education, and I was finishing up law school. We literally got married seven days after I graduated law school. Wow. I, I would say I'd go short. Um, we got engaged when we were both um, still in college. And um, so that couldn't, that and part of that couldn't really be helped. Um, but yeah, I would, I would, I would say I, after having an almost two year engagement, I would say I'm pro short, but I've been told by Kennedy and, and her mom that planning a wedding takes a while. So maybe not too short. I don't think it takes as long as people think. I mean, what's short in your mind? Like, what's the ideal length? Maybe a year. Wow. I feel like that's really long. I think... I'm oh, sorry. S- I meant that's that's like the the upper limit. Oh, okay. okay. So, like, if you're yeah. engaged for more than a year, if it's in your control... Right. Six six to 12 months. I was going like to say, that. that's that should be the ballpark. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take that long to plan a wedding, I don't think. I didn't that's, do anything. That's what I said, but... There's no way it takes... Like I actually, I say that I didn't do anything. I picked out the venue. I did a lot of this stuff because yeah. Brie was. Crossed. Yeah, she was gone. I, I I did all the food and the tasting and all that. Wow. stuff. Did she, did she approve? Like the, the day, like when you got married, she's like, "Hey, this is actually pretty good." It was more like, for the price we paid, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> These fazoli breadsticks are delicious, babe. <laughs> I I did basically nothing for planning our wedding. Yeah, yeah. I that, showed up as most guys do. As most guys do. All right, uh, we're going to dive into quick questions to ask or to think about when you have entered into this engagement realm. And here's the thing. To be honest, you probably should maybe ask or live in the realm of some of these questions while you're dating. Um, And maybe the the closer you (laughs) write, you can't ask any of these until you've given her a ring. No, Um, uh, you should probably know some of these things, but for sure you should be able to talk about these topics you know, um, after you're engaged. And so here's the first section. It's just theology. Um, you need to know what the other person believes. And in my notes specifically, it says, what do you believe about dot, dot, dot everything? Um, and so these conversations need to be frequent. They need to be, um, comprehensive. They need to be exhaustive about what they believe when it comes, um, just to their theology, when it comes to their doctrine, um, all that jazz. And an important part in my mind of that is knowing like what is something that is really important to you, something that's more of a deal breaker, because for some people, there are certain theologies that we can mesh with that you don't have to agree on every single point. In fact, if you agree with every single point of your spouse with theology, that would be like kind of shocking. Right. But there are some things that are kind of non-negotiable. And I would say that's like 
primary doctrines, obviously there, you have right. to be Trinitarian. You have to believe in the atonement. You have to believe in all those things. That's just what makes you Christian. Right. But the next level is dispensationalism, all that stuff. Got it. <laughs> just kidding. No, Do but we... um, it's kind of more the the <laughs> second tier stuff. Like where are you willing to agree and disagree on things? And it's for Bree and I, we had us, at least when we got married, we were very different. I'm just, I'm going to out myself guys Uh-oh. for the first time on the podcast. Whoa. I, I am I ve- hold on to your seats. I'm very much a Calvinist and Brie was not. Was that what you're thinking, Kyle? Ba, ba, no, ba. but that's, but I, that's, that was, yeah. that was, that was up there. But yeah. And the other was that she at the time was dispensationalist and I, mm, I was not as, the, as Jesus was. <laughs> he was so, also a Baptist. <laughs> it's called John the Baptist, not John the Presbyterian or Lutheran. <laughs> Duh. Jesus would have believed the Baptist distinctives. <laughs> all seven of the them. The London Duh. Confession. Right. That's right. <laughs> all, all points. Um, no, but so. <coughs> so we we knew we disagreed on those, but we had made it work just on <coughs> knowing when to talk about those and when not to talk about those and when to push and when not to push on them. Totally. I, I the point I made in my sermon a couple of weeks ago was um, like, if the Bible says it, do you believe it? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there's different interpretations, but do you let the Bible overrule your thinking? That's a great question. Uh, my voice just cracked. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great question to ask. You're yes. half your age today. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, but seriously, like that's a great, like, you know, if you have a strongly held opinion when when shown scripture and that clearly goes against it, are you willing to change that? Because that, to be honest, I think that's a great quality to have in a spouse or future spouses. You know, we all have our views and opinions, and maybe some are a little wonky or whatever. But if we're shown scripture, is it man? This is clearly what it says. Are we willing to be? Are we willing to die to ourselves and and yeah. and live for Christ in that yeah. in that realm? Just just out of curiosity, Kyle, what what doctrine did you think I was going to say that we had a disagreement on? <laughs> Uh, well, I know you, you believe in amillennialism. Yeah. I mean, the dispensation. <laughs> yeah. and there was also a question about like, uh, uh, gifts of the spirit. Cause where she was going was rather charismatic. Mm. And I am, if I'm not cessationist, I'm about as close as you can get without being a cessationist. I remember once I saw you and Bree have a disagreement over a minor point in theology. And I thought you both handled that really well. And oh Yeah. Yeah, you didn't. You weren't. You both weren't getting really mad at each other. You were just trying to understand what each other were saying. I, I, That's good. Th- I thought that was really good. That's not how it always goes. <laughs> I tend to just be passive aggressive to my wife for about a week if we disagree that works on too. something biblically. <laughs> that um, isn't the way you're supposed to do it. Wait, what? Uh, discover how you form your beliefs. What is the reason believing process? Reasoning believing process, and how do you handle how do you handle the scriptures? So, like, is, is the Bible the end all be all? Is that the um, top? pinnacle example of truth um is that ultimate truth all that jazz um kyle talked about talk to us about worship and devotion yeah well i've just been since we started tonight i've just been thinking about um a co-worker of mine has a really good friend who is married to uh, a lady who is um very strong roman catholic wow um he's very strong protestant christian hmm. and so naturally there's going to be there they have a lot of different ideas on how you should worship God on your theological views. And um, it's, they're actually getting married for a second time because the Catholic church does not recognize their wedding that did not take place in a Catholic as, church. In a Catholic church. Wow. Um, hmm. And initially he was very against that, but he eventually was like, okay, I'll do it for you. Wow. Um, Good for him. You know, um, they would technically say their children are pagans. Right, right. And so their children would have been born out of wedlock, all that, yada, yada, yada. Sounds spicy. Right. right. Um, and so obviously being Roman Catholic or Protestant has a lot of, uh, a lot of differences on how you'd worship, right? Yeah. Because we're, you know, we're talking about, do you go to mass? Do you go to a church service? Do you use, you know, Gregorian chants in your worship or do you, do you not? Do you listen, you know, whatever. That's just the Halo theme song. Sorry. I was going to say, if it's the halo theme, we can do that in worship. Totally right? can. We have on here too, what are your daily personal devotional practices? What do you guys think about that? I think that um, it's important to talk about it because some people are fine with like kind of, you know, having a little bit of conversation during that. Other people, they need the absolute quiet time. For me, I'm one of those people who wants to be like able to finish my stuff up. Bree's a little bit more of a talker sometimes. So like, when I'm trying to do my stuff, she'll like ask me a question. It's like, uh, 
Yeah. She's like, why are you being so short? Because I'm trying to <laughs> I'm finish try- rating my trying stuff. i to finish my stuff over here. Yeah. But part of that's my, like, choosing the worst times to do it. It's like the kids are in bed and right. it's, like, our time to be alone. Right. And so, you know, when I can do it in five, 5 in the morning, that's the best time because nobody's bothering me at 5 in the morning. I think, too, like, when it comes to your daily devotional practices, like, just know it'll probably change and grow over time with the seasons of life you're in. Um, the way I do my devotions is completely different from what I did when I was 20, when I got married. And so, um, did children change it? Yeah. Children for sure. I mean, that was obviously definitely a factor. I mean, I can't just get get up and have a (laughs) solid two hours before I have to go to work of, you know, uninterrupted me time. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, just, um, know what they do. Like, how are they following Jesus? Are they, are, are they, um, making sacrifices to spend time daily in, in the word and to, uh, to pray? Um, you know, how important, uh, is, is music and worship in their life? Do they enjoy worshiping the Lord? Um, all those things. Hunter, I'd be curious to get your take on, um, family devotionals. You just said you, you do like to have, that time to think through your devotional. I'm just curious what you think about a family devotional. It is so hard with a three-year-old and sure. a one-and-a-half-year-old, right. but we, we try. We've mm-hmm. tried, and um, I think the study that Todd referenced at the beginning of our current series in yes. Proverbs said something about, like, once a week having family worship together is important. So I've tried to do a devotional once a week, but there's just it's hard to find a time where the kids focus long enough to read a passage of Scripture and explain it. It just, it's hard, but we're trying to get there. Um, every evening we try to read uh, a passage or something faith related to the boys before we put them to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this series, I forget what's called like big hearts for little or big theology for little hearts or something like that. We mm-hmm. have them in the nursery over there. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. They explain like the doctrine of the Trinity and all these things at a very level that children can understand. Those are great. Or we read from, uh, Jesus Storybook Bible or uh, Biggest Story by Kevin DeYoung, right. all, all great stuff. So we try to keep it at their level, but I'm trying to like branch out and do something that we can all get a little bit out of, and I, I'm hoping that happens. But it's family devotional is hard. It's hard for me, not just because of I can do the that part of it, but it's the it's the getting the kids to focus for me that's the hardest. Uh, Emma's she'll, she's turning six this month, and so to be honest, most mornings her and I sit down and have devotions together, just her and I. Addie's three, so she struggles just paying attention for that long. We have a VeggieTales book, and it's Devotions for Girls. And um, it's a brief little passage, about maybe a paragraph or two, and there's a prayer at the end. And that For Emma right now, that's just phenomenal, and it's really, really good. Um, Hunter, talk to us about like questions re- like regarding husband and wife type of relationship in marriage that you should be asking when you've entered the engagement realm. Right. So there are some things that obviously need to be informed by scripture. One of those things is what is the meaning of headship and submission in the Bible and in our marriage? So we can't get around it. There are passages about submission. There's passages about male headship in the Bible. So how are you going to handle that? And what does that mean for you guys? What roles does is required of each of you in your marriage? That's very important to talk through. Um, if one of you, you know, has a very strictly egalitarian view and one of you has a very complementarian view, somebody's going to be very disappointed in that marriage. That's just the reality. If you have those two competing views, somebody is going to be upset. Somebody's not going to get out what they believe they're supposed to be getting out of the marriage. Um, what are you going to expect uh, with situations when one of you might be alone with some of the opposite sex? There's, you know, extremes of that. There's like the Billy Graham rule that you're never yeah. going to be alone whatsoever with somebody of the opposite sex. That can become fairly hard depending where you live, where you work, things like that. That just might be a very difficult thing to do. But you need to have those conversations and figure out what does it look like? What do the boundaries of your marriage look like? And what does it look like for you to have friends of the opposite sex if that's an okay thing? I mean, it's okay, but, you know, what does that look like? You both need to be on the same page. Yes, you need to be on the same page and be just open about that type of stuff because nothing harms a marriage more than secrets. Yeah, and I think I think asking permission, yes, like hey, or like is would are you comfortable with this? Is way better than asking for forgiveness at the end of the day. Oh yeah, uh, it was last year. I had to go to the bank with our um, uh, church finance officer. Um, she's a female and uh, to deposit some cash into our 
into our bank account. Um, and because it'd just be her and I in the car, I called Kaylee and was like, hey, is are you okay with this? And she's like, yeah, I, I know her. You're totally fine. Like, it should take you, you know, like, so I think, like, doing stuff like that on a regular basis is healthy, just to bounce something off your spouse, because you don't want them to find out later on and then be hurt because you didn't run that past them. Yeah. It's actually good for me to think about this last week. My tire blew out while driving to work and yeah. I had a sheriff deputy who took me to work. So that was, that was great. But then afterwards I had to have a coworker who's female driving. Yeah. Me, uh, I didn't even think about asking, yeah. but slips your mind. Yeah, it does. So that's good for me to even think about here. Totally. Just like have that conversation. Like she wouldn't have said no. It's just, it's good for her to be aware. <laughs> yeah. Like just so you know, I'm doing this for the next like half hour, 45 minutes. Yes. Uh, additionally, there's some conversations like it's more just specific about what does the home life look like? Who's going to be the one cooking? Who's going to be the one doing this? Who's going to be doing that? Bree and I, in some ways, have like weird, like it doesn't fit your stereotypical gender role thing. I do a lot of the cooking. Mm. I don't mind it. Um, sometimes it's pretty relaxing. We're kind of starting to balance it out a little bit more. So we'll take turns like somebody's going to hang out with the kids, the other one's going to cook. So we've kind of balanced that out a little mm-hmm. bit. But some of the manly, manly stuff, you know, mowing the lawn, weed whack, and all that good stuff. That's me, a hundred percent. Yeah, but I love doing those things. Yeah, when it's but, not like five million degrees. And I, but I think the key is like you, both of you talk just, about it. You need to know. So like for Kaylee and I, like it's she does the traditional life roles of cooking, cleaning, housekeep, grocery shopping, uh-huh. all that stuff. I'm doing the traditional like provider, lawn care, any like repairs in the home. I'm not the most handy, but I'll do my best. You know what I mean? Um, but that's us, Kyle, you and Kennedy. Yeah. So right in the beginning, when we got married, we, we did, we talked a little bit about that, like how we're going to handle cooking and cleaning, things like that. And so, uh, one of the things that we decided on was that, uh, when it comes to cooking, Kennedy being the better cook would be the one who, uh, does the, almost all the cooking. Um, sometimes, you know, nowadays, um, if I'm home before Kennedy, then she'll, text me and say, Hey, can you start getting dinner ready? You mm-hmm. know, as long as I know what we're having, I can start cutting up vegetables, pull out the chicken. Up, yeah, yeah. Things like that. Um, but then when it comes to cleaning like that, that falls on me. I right. do most of the cleaning, um, you know, picking up after the kids, vacuuming, cleaning the, you know, just stuff like that. Right. And it seems to work. That balance seems to work out well for us. Right. And there's just a few additional things I want to hit on. So what does a non-special evening look like for you guys? Uh, what do you guys want to do in your free time? You know, when Mm -hmm. it's not a date night, when you guys are just hanging around at home, what does that look like for you guys? Do you spend time together? Do you spend time kind of doing your own thing? Combination of the two. It's important to have those conversations. Talk about, you know, what will sex things look like? Who's going to be the one who initiates that? When, when and how does that, what does that look like essentially? Because I mean, it varies from person to person and you need to have those conversations to know what people are comfortable with and what's okay. And lastly, it's just a finance thing. How are you going to handle your checkbook? Who's going to be doing that stuff? Do you have two? Do you have one? Do you have one person who does kind of all the finance stuff or is it something you do together? I mean, I wouldn't say that one's more right than the other. It's probably, you know, not wise to go out and buy a brand new vehicle without (laughs) talking to your wife or husband. That's a really bad idea, but you know, figure out the financial decisions together, you know, and who's going to make those. Yeah. I think, um, just like, I I can't remember the exact number Kaylee and I had when we first were married, but I think it was over, if it was over like 50 bucks, we had to talk to the other person about it. And just make sure they were good with it, you know, because we just we barely had any money back in those days. Um, and I think, too, I'm like, just know, like, like, who's the manager of the funds? You know, like, who's managing the bank accounts? Mm-hmm. Who's doing the taxes? It's taxes. I just did my taxes this past week. So yeah. it's on my mind. Like, who's seeing the, you know, the, the accounts in and out? What's going on? The, the balances, all that stuff. There needs to be someone that has their hand on that plow. And so what happened was JD, when they first got married, would go out and buy things for forty nine ninety eight <laughs> consistently. <laughs> See, I don't have to ask your permission. Payment plan. <laughs> yeah, right. Lay away. That's yeah. good. All right. Hey, let's talk about kids. Questions you need to ask about um, children to your um, fiance. You know, first question is, uh, when should we have uh, children? Um 
and I think Hunter has a word about this that he wants to add in that he shared with us before we even got started. So I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you. It's it's a bit of a hot take, and I it's need not to give, so hot. I need to put a caveat on it. It's that I understand that some people are unable to have children, and that there's just a lot of factors that go into this, whether it's for health reasons or because biologically the stuff doesn't work to make it so they can have children. There's so many factors that go into this, but I think if you're able both physically, mentally, everything that it's required of. I think that scripturally, the first commandment we're given is be fruitful and multiply. And because of that, I mean, there's this high emphasis on the fact that children are a blessing from the Lord if you're able to have that. So I think that scripture tells us that if we can, we should have children. I don't, I know that that's kind of a controversial take amongst people our age, like millennials are the first right. generation that aren't having as many children right. as like previous generations. So it's, it's that. And I they're mean, often having children later in life as well. Yes. Uh, it used to be that the average age of a woman when she had children was between 23 and 24. And now it's in uh, the early thirties. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you should be like, how many kids do we want? How far apart do we want them to be? When should we try to start having uh, kids, uh, you know, how many years or, um, you know, do we need to wait or, or, or that type of stuff? Would we ever consider adoption? How are we going to discipline our children? What are kind of the standards of behavior that we're going to, um, you know, look for? H- how do we discipline our kids like an appropriate way? Or, you know, are we going to, are we going to be a timeout family? Are we going to be a takeaway privileges family? Are we going to be a spanking family? All those things. Are we going to be gentle parents? <laughs> no cribs. No, right. That's a thing. No cribs. That's a yeah. What does that are mean? Doing that no means cri- they, no they co-sleep with you constantly, so the kids are in bed with hate, you. Yeah, I hate that. I've seen. I've seen. Um, I couldn't wait. Something my kids where left my bedroom. <laughs> um, some will give. I mean, obviously, if it's not safe, but they'll have little kids in like toddler beds, so wow. they can just get out of bed whenever they want to, roam around their room, do whatever. Like the doors locked. Doors locked. They can't leave the room, but it's like so they have their whole awake. room to move around. That's yeah. bonkers. Okay, I'd tell you if I did that, my children would tear that room apart. My yeah, children and just be do banging on the door and still tear their room. Like here's apart. the thing: we were so nervous when we put Knox in a bed that was not like caged in. He's done fine for the most part, but there's so much risk there. For, oh like, yeah, I don't want to have to. Clean my up children pulled no. down their uh, the blinds Urgh. off of their window. Wow, like three times in one night. <laughs> Like, what are the expectations of time spent with the kids? When do they go to bed? And they, these these questions might sound silly, but you would be shocked the benefit of asking your fiance or or future spouse these questions of what their expectations are. What signs of affections will you show your kids? That's important. Mm. Are you going to be a hug and kiss? Are you going to be a I'm proud of you? Are you going to be an encourager? Or are you going to be a distant, you know, parent? I mean, we just, we just need to know these things. Um how are you going to do school, homeschool, Christian school, public school? What's the thought with that stuff? Um, those are all good things to know. All right, like talk about lifestyle, Lifestyle, Kyle. lifestyle yeah. questions. Well, um, probably good to talk about. Are you going to own a home or not? Are you going to rent? Um, yeah. You know. Um, tiny home. Yeah, tiny home. What kind of neighborhood, right? If you've got a tiny home, maybe you don't have any neighbors. Yeah. Um, you know, Kennedy and I live in a town home. We have a lot of neighbors. We share a building with yeah. three of them. Um, wow, three. So yeah, it's a four. It's a four uh, wow. dwelling building. I but guess. You, you have an end one, so you only have to interact with one of them. Yes. Yeah, we <laughs> right, do have right, an end right. one. Right. We do like our neighbors. Um, how many cars are you going to have? You going to go for a new car, used car? You should go for a used car. Yeah, never um, buy it brand new. <laughs> as Dave Ramsey says, the only car you should be buying is the one you can pay cash for. Oh, I think I've heard him say that before. I actually don't agree with that, but. How do you make money decisions? So that Ooh. goes back to what we talked about a little bit before, but you know, JD and Kaylee had a $50 rule. Um, yeah, we did. But uh, I don't think we have that anymore. No. Well, I think it was just like, Hey, how much 3000 rule. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was almost like, Hey, how much that cost? It cost this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, when you're making a big purchase, right. We talked right, about right, buying right. A, not buying a car when, you know, the other person isn't there. Kennedy. Um, I think that, whoa, I think anything, I think with Kaylee and I, I think if it's out of the normal, I think that's when we bounce it off each other. Like, (laughs) sorry, what Kyle just said, (laughs) (laughs) like how much, how much are you going to tithe? That's big. 
Yeah. You didn't have that are conversation you going to tithe? Are you going gonna, to tithe? Is it not necessarily going to be 10%? You know? Are you just going to be one of those people that say, about. I'm just going to give joyfully and it's going to be 1%? It's gonna, yeah, whatever, whatever I can be happy be about. <laughs> right. Or uh, if yeah, you're money Tim, decisions Timothy are Keller, really you give till it hurts. Give till it hurts. That's right. If it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. I'm I think never, a big question is that's right, but where do you buy your children's clothes? Where do you buy your own clothes? Are you going to be high end stores, department stores? Are you going to be a Goodwill, Salvation Army family? Are you going to be a Walmart? Kohl's? I get them from free from Kyle and Kennedy Rude. Is <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> garage sale. We love garage sales in our family. We love. By the way, I'm going to need to give you a receipt for those. So I know <laughs> donation <laughs> receipt. Right, right. I think I'm above the income threshold. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter, talk to us about entertainment, stuff you uh, should talk about with so your spa, uh, your uh, fiancé about entertainment. Like, how much money are you guys willing to spend on entertainment? And this can be as simple as, hey, we should only have one streaming service to, like, Ooh. how often do we go out and how much are we willing to spend when we go out? And it's that like, changes in different life seasons, too. It like does. When you have little kids, you're probably not going out that much. No, because, you know, you got to get a babysitter. You totally. Do this, Unless you, you have that. a live-in babysitter like Kennedy and I do. Shout out to Jonah Jonah, living in my basement. So Jonah Moocher Voss, how <laughs> uh, I can't wait till the years that. <laughs> uh, so think about for entertainment purposes, how often do we go on vacation? What does vacation look like? Are we going for the nice place? If we go to Disney, are, are we, we a Disney family? at Disney resort or as an well? Yes. We'd, so just consider those. Kennedy things. and I have decided that I am not going to be in charge of choosing hotels anymore. Why? What did you choose a bad, bad one? He chose one that had like, like they opened the door and there were little cockroaches. Dude. Mm, wasn't that bad, okay. but it was pretty bad. <laughs> um, no, I wanted, I chose the cheapest one I could find. In you know Indian, what? In Sometimes you just have to do that. Indianapolis. Okay. I, I was a, not thinking straight. I have straight a hotel story about Indianapolis. I got a, it was too. a motel. I was, it was a motel or a super eight. In, super eight. In, I mean, you know what you're getting with a super eight. Right, there I was, mean, there was, there come was, on, there was a drug deal going down when we were getting into our room. It was, it was great. Hey, hey you know what? Kids got a business lesson. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know what caught me off guard this morning is when Todd gave the illustration of, hey, you know, just if you need some extra income, just sell meth. I was like, whoa! <laughs> of all the things I thought you'd say, meth was not on my bingo card. <laughs> I'm gonna ask Todd if he's been watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, a little bit too much. Right, right, right. Big Walter White fan. Like, um, yeah. So, like, for example, we did the Airbnb last time we went to Disney. This time we're staying in a Disney resort. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you just have to make those decisions. Um, toys. What type of toys? Are you going to – snowmobile, four-wheeler toys? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Like, what kind of toys are you going to have? Are you going to even have toys? Like, I'm not the kind of person who wants to go out and buy an expensive something. Like, for no. me, it's like I want a nice TV. And maybe a nice video game system, and that's way less yeah. than any other toy that my other family members would enjoy. Right. And it's not to say that it's wrong to have those things. It's not. It's just what's the financial decision that works for you and your your spouse. I don't need the big behemoth snowblower. You know what I mean? Guidelines for like what are the kids going to be watching? You know, moral, ethical standards. Yeah, for I that. Mean, uh, yeah, moving on. Conflict. How do you and your fiance, how will you handle conflict? You need to tell your, your future spouse what makes you angry. This is what makes me, this is what frustrates me. You, um, you need to talk about how do you handle your frustration, frustration or anger? Are you a bottle it up person or are you a, Hey, let's just sit down and talk about this. Um, who should bring up the issue that is bothersome? Um, what's the time frame for that? What if we disagree, um, by, about, you know, what should be done and, and uh, what do we do if it's pretty serious? You know, how do we navigate that? We're going to go to bed angry. Or are we just going to, as long as we need to stay up, we're, you know, you seen that meme, me and my wife said we'd never go to bed angry. We've been up for four days. You know what I mean? Like, are we going to be one of those uh, couples? And what's the view of getting help from friends or a counselor? Like, is that is that on the table? Do you, Can you talk to maybe some trusted friends about your spouse mm-hmm. in a helpful, non-gossipy way? seeking advice i think you should totally do that yeah one of the things that i love is a tv show scrubs and there's a thing that it talks about with conflict and it says one of the best things you can do with your spouse is punch a hole in the wall and i was like whoa <laughs> that's a bit extreme totally so maybe extreme. don't have that reaction don't have the andy bernard reaction to uh <laughs> anger issues all right work kyle work. tell us about work 
Who is the main breadwinner? Is that something that you can talk about and then decide who's going to be the main breadwinner? I think so. I think it changes with different to seasons. an extent, right? When well, Kay- before we had kids, we both had full time yeah. jobs. And here's the thing: like when you guys first got married, you were in school, right? Kaylee had just graduated, and I still had two more years left. So, so. I'm guessing she probably made more money than you for a little bit. There. She definitely yep. made more money than me. Yeah. Yep. There's a short time where Kennedy did also. <laughs> right. Nothing wrong with that. No. And that leads into the next point. Should the wife work outside the home? Ooh. I mean, my wife did. Scandalous. Kaylee did. She did. Does Kendi still work? Yeah, she still does work okay. for outside the home. My, my wife currently works. Um, we're about to be, I mean, we're having conversations about what does it look like if she doesn't work at home and mm-hmm. how are we going to have to change our lifestyle? And it will be like a change in lifestyle for sure, but we can. If, if you can make it work and that's what you guys want to do, do it. There's nothing inherently immoral about working in or outside the house, but you guys kind of just have to figure out what works for you with that and what do you want for you? What do you want for, you know, kids if and when that happens? Important stuff. Yeah, for us, it's the, it's the opposite. Like Kaylee is a stay-at-home mom, and so, you know, we have to like, hey, we have to live a certain lifestyle, you know, that, right. you know, um, but we just have to be conscious of that. If she wanted to get a job, um, you know, she could, and we'd have more money and be able to do different things. Um, but like, we just we went in in before we were even married. We knew that, you know, hey, when we have kids, Kelly, you want she wants to be a stay at home mom, and I actually was totally great with that. Um, and uh, yeah, we just have to had to adjust. It was good. Yeah. And then what about daycare? I absolutely hate the necessary evil of daycare. But, like, I think there's benefits of it. Like, our kids, they get to interact with other kids, but at the same time, they get sick all the time. But I think that, yeah, talking to your spouse about daycare is important because there's a lot of things that you can get from it, and there's both positive and negative. There's pros and cons to it, right, for sure. But, yeah, and it's expensive. I mean, it's actually after people's mortgage slash rent, it's usually considered their second biggest expense. We pay more for child care than our mortgage. Jeez. Nice. A lot more. Seriously? Yeah. That sucks. Whew. I won't give numbers on the podcast. I just saw you give it off the podcast. I just <laughs> saw like the news report the other day of a place here in Ankeny about some kid that was bitten like 12 times and their family's suing. You see this story? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking Kinder about. Kinder care here in Ankeny. Yeah. I have no problem saying the name. It was on the news. DHS investigations into all that. Yeah. yeah. Like, wow. like, yeah, like it's just yeah, almost like it looked like a looked like it was attacked by an animal. Like, but this kid was just bitten by this other kid. And here's the thing: like being bitten by a kid at daycare won't get you in trouble, probably. If you disclosed it, like you're supposed to. Yeah, the the parents got home, they gave, were giving the kid a bath, and like, whoa! And it was like all over the kid's back, body it was nuts. Um, what determines where you will locate? Like for a job, whose job will you relocate for a church or for a family member? You need to have all those conversations. Mm-hmm. What are you willing to do? Yeah. All right, Hunter, talk to us about friends, conversations about friends with your future spouse. So one of the conversations you need to have is like what level are you doing things with, you know, friends without your spouse and mm. what do you do with friends with spouses? You know, it's like there's the whole level of you have some of your friends that you had before you met your spouse. Right. And so like it's not like it's a friend of your spouse necessarily. So how, how, how do those interactions take place after you're married? What's that look like? And for, for my wife and I, we've just always been like, Hey, your friends are your friends. My friends are my friends. We have some that, you know, we're friends with now, but they're just people that it's not that Bree dislikes them or anything. It's just, they aren't going to ever hang out or anything. And that's just the way it is. Another one is, uh, I think it's super healthy to acknowledge that. Because I think that's a source of conflict for a lot of marriages. Like, well, why don't you like my friend? But I don't have to, like, love everyone. Like, some people I'm more, you know, have an affinity to just enjoying their time more, and some people I'm not. So I think it's totally fine, yeah, to have your separate friends. And I think it's also healthy to have some overlapping friends that both of you enjoy being together with. If you have a friend who's done absolutely nothing wrong in your spouse or engagement or person you're engaged to says, don't hang out with them ever. Fiance, yes. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Your fiance says don't hang out with them and doesn't give you a reason why. Red flag. Major red flag. That's that's when a conversation needs to happen. Yeah, like what what's wrong with so and so? Yeah. Right. Right. So I mean, it's okay to have, you know, friends that 
the other partner's not friends with. Like, it's okay. Like, it's totally okay. All they have to do is be able to tolerate the person. That's yeah. literally And not it. everyone has to be best friends. No. Yeah. This idea that you have to be best friends with my best friends, like, no. Nah. I mean, the fact is, I like, Bree has cool friends. I don't. So, no, no, just kidding. <laughs> Whoa, shots fired, Kyle. I, I, knew, I, I knew I wasn't no, cool. I, so. I like to think I'm kind of cool, maybe. You're I pretty mean, cool, Jay. Present company cool. excluded. Hey, back <laughs> think, on the wagon. I think Bree would hang out with you guys and myself and hang out with your spouses as well. Totally. I think so, too. I'll do, let's do the last section, guys, and we'll do our doxology. Health and sickness. You know, do you, do you or. Um, do you have or have you ever had any sickness or physical problems that could affect your possible relationship? Allergies, cancer. Wow, that escalated quickly. Eating disorders. You're the one who typed that. <laughs> venereal diseases. I mean, really, you need to disclose all those things um, uh, with your fiance. I didn't know how bad my allergies were until after we were married. I knew I had allergy problems. Yeah. Then yeah. when I got tested, it was like, you're allergic to 120 of 150 things you tested for. I was like, what? <laughs> Like you need to also talk about like if you if you believe in divine healings and you know how would prayer relate to you know medical attention you need how how do you think about exercise healthy living healthy eating and do you have any habits that um, adversely affect health um, you just like selling meth yeah that's probably sure. something you should tell yeah your future fiance well hey guys I we are up against the time break uh, thanks for joining us so much on this uh, week's episode the 10th episode we made it everyone one zero of the dudes and doxology podcast here is this episode's doxology it comes from second Samuel 22 verses 2 through 4 the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my God my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior, you save me from violence. I'm JD. I'm Kyle. And this is Hunter. <laughs> this is the Dudes and Doxology podcast. <laughs> we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye-bye.